to Scoop De Hoop, the podcast. I'm here with Mike Schmidt. And Mike, we are not in the studio. No, we are not. We're back in the studio, as in Adam's room in our apartment. Yeah, uh, I hurt my foot yesterday on flag football, and I don't feel like walking all the way over to the studio because I had to take an Uber to my first classes already. So uh, we, we chalked it. Broken foot, broken spirit. Yeah, we can get into that a little bit. Yeah, we, we were in the semifinals. We had we had the game. We had it right under <laughs> our finger. We had it right at our ah, we had it right at our fingertips. I really wanted to win. We lost on like a last play kind of thing, and we the drove. Last play. Yeah, and we and, well they scored with uh, eighteen seconds left, and they got uh, they got up on us, and then we drove the length of the field in eighteen seconds. We're on like the two yard line and did not score on the last play. Quarterback slipped and. It was absolutely devastating. It was devastating. I'm, I'm, I'm still shook by it. I didn't fall asleep until 3 o'clock. I kept thinking about it, and then I woke up the next day, and I knew I hurt my foot, but I didn't realize it was going to be this bad. I can't move my big toe. You put your life on the line for the team, and uh, I don't know if it was worth it, necessarily. Oh, it was 100% worth it. Well, I mean, the fact that we lost makes it not worth it, but, like, <laughs> I would do it again. Wouldn't you? Um, yeah, I guess. I wouldn't go into a coma like you would. But oh, yeah, we had this hypothetical where Mike said um, that, what would you say? If you had the opportunity to catch a game-winning touchdown in the championship game, would you... Uh, flag football. Yeah, flag, intramural flag football. Yeah. Would you go into a coma for three days afterwards I said be okay with that? I said, yeah, 110%. And I said, that's crazy. And it's not. It's really not. I would be, I would wake up, I'd be refreshed. I'd be ready for the next game. That's just not how comas work. You don't... Uh, how do you know? Have you ever had a coma? No, I've never been in a coma, but oh, I'm pretty oh, sure oh, you're oh. not just like, oh, okay, cool, I was just chilling for a while. I'm sure I'd wake up and I'd be fine. People are always fine when they get back from comas. Unless uh, you have, like, memory loss. Uh, yeah, you probably would. No, you'd probably you, have some lasting brain would, damage. No, you would not. You don't know that, and you know you don't know that. But another injury, not quite as bad as a coma, has been hitting the NBA... I mean, there's been an injury bug going around the NBA, and it's hitting some major players right now, Mike. Starting off with De'Aaron Fox, who has a grade 3 ankle sprain and is going to be reevaluated in three to four weeks. Now, the Kings, they weren't playing good to begin with. They, they kind of have been going out of the gates kind of slow. They've turned around the last few games. Last they picked up some big games. wins. Yeah, but they're still not. They're nowhere near the expectations of what everybody thought they were going to be. You you thought that they were going to be um, top of the – not top of the – you thought they were going to sneak their way. they're going to be playoffs yeah. in the West, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, tell me how how possibly impactful this could be. Um. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. He's definitely the face of the franchise for the Kings. He's their future going forward. And, I mean, this isn't anything that necessarily is going to be like... They're 4-6, and six, by the way, and they just won two straight. Yeah, that's it's not, it's not extremely great. inspiring. But they got a big win over the Trailblazers, I think, last night or two nights ago. Um, mm-hmm. Bogdan Bogdanovich has been playing pretty well the last few games. He went off for, like, almost 30 the one night. He shot really well. Um so they're, they're a team who's definitely going to struggle without De'Aaron Fox. They're struggling with De'Aaron Fox, but it's definitely going to hurt them some more. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of team they are with him out because he, like I've said, was the lifeblood of that team. I don't know who steps up in his It's probably got to be Bogdan. How do you say his name? Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah, Bogdan. It has to be. Yeah, I guess. And also, you got to remember that Marvin Bagley's also battling injury. He's been battling it for the last few mm-hmm. weeks. I can't remember what it was. Uh, I think it's a lower body injury. But besides Harrison Barnes team now, maybe Harrison Barnes team, maybe. But that's not great. Yeah, well, they um, 
the uh, the Sacramento Bee uh, did an uh, interview with a doctor, and they were asking her about the effects of the um, injury. And her name is Doctor Darkos Dracos Dracos. And uh, she was talking about the severity of the injuries and she says, grade one is a partial tail tear with one of or both ligaments. Two is a complete tear of one and a partial tear of another. And grade three is the worst of all sprains. It means there was a tear of two of the ligaments on the outside of the ankle. So this significant injury in terms of contributing to the overall stability of the ankle. Overall, it's usually about four to six weeks to recover from this. That's not good for the Kings. That's what he suffered, the grade threes? Grade three. Yeah, that's actually, that's a little more worrisome than I thought it would be, um, especially with ligament tears in the ankle. For somebody who plays such a fast style like De'Aaron Fox does, that can be kind of problematic. Um, hopefully, he's able to recover fully. He, he's still so young, so like I feel like the window for a full recovery is still pretty oh, good. Oh, he'll be fine. It just, I think it hurts, I think it hurts the Kings' chances. And as somebody who came back from an ankle injury when I used to play like in just high school sports it's hard yeah. I, I know he's a superior athlete and his body's on a whole different level than mine you know what I mean in terms of like recovery but man I mean that's not great that's I mean I know how hard it is to come back from that and if you push yourself too hard you're just gonna roll it again so he's, I guarantee they're gonna be careful with him and take his time with him just as a matter of if the Kings can stay afloat yeah I mean this isn't a season that I think they're going all in anyway so like I could see, or I would hope, that they're willing to rest him for whatever period of time it takes for a full and proper recovery. Yeah, and he's not the only one who is uh, hurt in the NBA. There's actually a lot of people, and one of them is Chris Middleton, who has a leg contusion, who has a contusion on his leg, and he's supposed to be out four to three weeks. Uh, four to three. Three to three, four, four weeks. weeks yeah. Set it backwards. Um, what do you think about this? you think this really hurts the Bucks? I mean, they're already playing really well. They're still playing well without him. Is it going to kill him, or is just Giannis too good? Oh, Giannis is definitely too good. I mean, Chris Milton is a huge piece of that team, but ultimately it comes down to, like, it's like a LeBron-type situation where he could carry literally a team full of scrubs like we saw him do with the Cavaliers to any height that he really sought to just based off his talent and play alone. So, like, Milton being out a slight blow, but Giannis will probably just pick up the slack and continue to do what he does and just dominate other teams and carry the Bucks. Yeah, and I mean the way Giannis is playing too has just been absolutely incredible. When you consider he's already, if he's not playing better than he did last season, he's right on par with it. He right now has to be him, him, Luka Doncic, two leaders right now for the um, MVP award. I would say. I mean, right now he's averaging 29.7 points per game, 14.3 rebounds per game, and 6.8 assists per game. It's ridiculous. He's been a man on a mission, and I, I think you're right. I think they can stay afloat. Four to six weeks isn't the end of the – I mean, three to four weeks isn't the end of the world, especially if that's just the cap of it. I mean, it's not like they have tough games coming up either. I mean, just in the near future, they go Bulls, Pacers. Pacers are a good team, but they're also battling the injury bug. Mm -hmm. uh, Bulls, again, Hawks, Trailblazers, Pistons, and then you have a tough game against the Jazz before you go back to play the Hawks and the Cavs. I think they'll be okay. That's yeah. how they finish out their month in November. If they didn't win, the, if they don't win the majority of that, I'd be shocked. And even if they like lose one or two in that stretch, which is pretty likely, it's still so early in the season that like it, it's really not going to hurt them in the long run. 
No, it's not going to hurt him at all. I'm not. I think this is probably the one I'm least worried about, and I think when he comes back, it's just going to be a net positive for them. I mean, it, this obviously hurts him if they're in the playoffs, but right now, I'm not worried. Next injury would be Clint Capella, who is out for their game coming up tonight. Um, they are. Are they in trouble? I mean, it's just a concussion, so he's just going to be out a couple of games, probably at most. Yeah. How do you feel about Clint Capella being out? Um, I feel like in the NBA specifically, concussions, while concussions are always generally scary, that's not something that you really concern yourself with too heavily. I mean, it takes really no time to come back from a concussion. It takes like maybe a week at the most, I would think. Um, the <laughs> Rockets are such an interesting team that like, I don't know what happens with him out. Will they be even better like they're still putting the ball back in Russ and Harden's hands more letting him do more with the or letting them do more with the offense or will they like completely fall apart and come off the rails you, you have no clue yeah it's going to be a cool small ball lineup maybe they'll let PJ Tucker play some center and space the floor out a little bit more good I mean that that team too is just very weird right now um it, it just seems like they're missing something I mean sure James Harden is He's playing historically bad. I mean, he's average. I think he's just shooting twenty nine percent from three right now, and just just hasn't really looked like himself. But he's still. I mean, he's still averaging a whole bunch of points. But that that team just doesn't look right. I mean, they get they, they still. I mean, they're they're still eight and three. Yeah. But it still seems like they're missing something. And I think one thing that could really help that team is a stretch big to clear out the floor, clear out the paint for Russ and guys like Harden. But it's hard because at the same time. Clint Capella is the perfect pick-and-roll partner for both Harden and Russell Westbrook. So you really don't know what you have here. I guess this is going to be a good case study to see if, if they do go the small ball lineup, which one works better for them. Yeah, it'll. it's probably – you never want to say that an injury is a good thing, but it allows them to kind of work with their lineup a bit and try out some different looks and see what they really have going with this roster. And see how expendable uh, Clint Capella is because yeah. I – I do think he's a tradable piece. I, I don't know how much you can get for him. Probably not what you paid for him, you know what I mean, or not what you at least value hmm. for him. But I don't know. Still um, still something that you have to watch going forward in a team uh, who needs centers, and it seems like most teams in this NBA do need a center. He, um, he might actually have some value. Who knows? But talking about a team that might need a center, the Celtics, they also got the injury bug. Gordon Hayward playing some of the best basketball of his career after getting after uh, having that terrible injury two years ago. He had that bad season last year. Really bounced back this year. Shot over 40% from three, 50% from the field, averaging over 18 points, six over over five assists, five rebounds. He looked great. I mean, he was he was playing phenomenal basketball, and then out of nowhere, fractured his fourth meta metacarpal bone in his left hand and it was just a really fluky play he just got his finger caught up really oddly I guess in the jersey of LaMarcus Aldridge I'm assuming because I yeah. still can't really tell what happened and he's going to be out for at least six weeks just got surgery on it yeah that's one of those things that like he's in a a funny kind of dangerous territory it's not dangerous but like he's close to being labeled an injury prone player at this very point, close yeah it's just like it, it's unfortunate that some of these guys just get in situations where after they've had a major injury, they just can't seem to like get out of their own way where these like random, like you said, fluky type situations keep popping up for them. I mean, I've seen them with all the Sixers, Sixers. bigs who have had injuries and constantly like Joel Embiid breaking his face was just random. Like these things just happen and 
you hate to see it. You hate to th- see it like throw off a guy who's trying to come back from a big injury, trying to get back into the swing of things, and then these just little bits and pieces of like injuries keep coming up to really derail the progress that they're making. Ultimately, it's not going to be something that's going to like throw off his game on the whole, but it is just like a slight annoyance where he was finally starting to find his his stroke. He was starting to find his way back into the Gordon Hayward of old, and it, this just kind of throws him off a little bit. Yeah, and he was really helping out this team. I think that's one of the biggest strengths of this team, the fact that they have three wings who are kind of interchangeable and all offer different kind of skill sets. Um, and he was, he was, he was looking awesome. He was probably, and for my money, he was the, at least the second best player on that team when he was playing at his top of his powers. He had that awesome, almost 40 point night, followed it up with a 20 and 10 night. I mean, he was, he was playing some of the, you could argue he was the best, the best basketball of his career he was playing. You, you could really, really yep. argue that he was looking awesome. And they're just unfortunate. Hopefully when he comes back, he's back to his old self. It is not his non-shooting hand which is, I guess, a better thing. I mean, it's still all the same. Yeah, just the guide hand. But. Yeah, but I really, really, really hope he comes back with the same kind of confidence and doesn't play in his head like he did last season or that there's any effects to his shot because of it. But fingers crossed, Mike. Yeah, that's one of those things where the guy, you hope the guy doesn't start second-guessing himself exactly. about the injuries, which is just a major like mental thing that they can get in and their own w- Which is what he did last year. Yeah. So you really hope he does it's not get It's tough to break down head. that mental barrier. Yep, exactly. But we're talking about the Celtics, and let's keep talking about the Celtics. And we're gonna actually, we're gonna transition oh, soon to the Sixers, and for one reason and one reason only, one team way way over over um, over uh, what am I trying to say? Over performing, over achieving so far early in the season. That's the Celtics. They only have one loss so far this season. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Nine and one, the only no. loss coming on opening night, rattled off nine straight wins so far. Mike, are you are you buying the hype or are you not buying the hype? What are you feeling? Um, you know, they seem to be a lot better than most people had thought they were. This, um, I don't, I don't know. They're kind of just dominating these games too, which is kind of throwing me off. They're they're killing teams out here without a real center too. Yeah, without Ennis Cantor. Um, how, when does he come back? He's back. He, he, he just back. yep. He's back this last game. He played two games ago, but it's five minutes. They just wanted to get his feet oh, wet. Okay. So now he's officially back. Um, but I mean, he, even him, like they, it's not like they're playing him for an extended period of time. He's never played more than twenty minutes so far. So they just play small ball. Mm-hmm. And they're getting good production out of all their guys. I mean, yeah. this is a team that many people had thought didn't have an identity coming into the season, and it seems like their identity is just like you said. They're Small ball, Kemba taking over a lot of time and letting the younger guys just do what they do. It's It sucks that Hayward's out because he was becoming a big part of that team identity, but nonetheless, the team is still kind of just killing it. They're outscoring opponents by almost 10 points a game. They're averaging almost 25 assists a game. Like They're a team that's just functioning very well together. Which is, which is crazy because right now they have the 8th best defense in the um, NBA and they have the number one offense, which I don't think anybody would have no. expected. And I mean, I assume they're going to have a pretty good offense just because the amount of wings I thought it was going to be hard for people to match up with them. But I thought they'd get killed inside and they just haven't so far. And a large part of that is because of Marcus Smart and his ability to switch onto bigs and Jalen Brown, how well he's been playing defense on bigs. Same with Jason Tatum taking a huge step. And I know a lot of people are saying some of these wins, it's like, ah, they're playing, who they play? They played the Knicks twice, they played the Cavs, Hornets, like, who cares? Well, you know, they, they have some good wins within the, within this nine-win streak. I mean, they beat the Raptors, they beat the Bucks, 
They also beat a good Spurs team and the Mavericks, who might have been one of the hottest teams in the NBA at that point. The biggest test is going to be coming up for them, though. They have a five-game home uh, or away uh, trip. And during that away trip, they have the Warriors, the Kings, the Suns, Clippers, and Nuggets. So of those five teams, three of them are above 500, and three of them are at the top of the Western Conference. So you got to see what happens. It's going to suck that Hayward isn't there for this stand because you could use that veteran leadership during that West Coast trip. But hey, I mean, they're playing well. I, I, nobody is expecting them to go undefeated, you know what I mean, like 81-1. Yeah. and one. So I'm not losing my mind because of it, to be frank with you. And I also, I'm not going to buy too much into it. We're 10 games in the season. People go on, teams go on these kinds of runs at all, all the time. It's just as possible that Celtics go on a nine-game losing streak tomorrow. So I think it's a very fluky thing. Not, not fluky. I think the NBA is one of those things that is very on and off and I am not going to sit here and just king the Celtics right away. I know they're first right now. Could be totally different in two days. Yeah, I'm going to sound like a boomer here for a second, but like that Bucks game, what was it, like two weeks ago where they came back from being 20 down 20-some down. points? That's like one of the major gripes a lot of people had of this team coming in was what is their identity, what is the character of this team? Like, Given a situation where they're down by such uh, such a large amount, are they able to rally back without like this... Um, I guess without somebody like Kyrie who was doing it for them, who they thought was like the main t- identity of the team, I guess. Just the go-to guy. Yeah, just a go-to really. guy. He's somebody who could just bring him back. And I mean, we'd seen Kemba do that in Charlotte, but it was all on his own. And he is doing a lot on his own in this situation, but also it just seems like he's also getting everybody on the team to rally around him, which wasn't something that necessarily was happening with Kyrie. in Charlotte and wasn't happening with Kyrie in Boston, yeah. for sure. And that was one of the biggest things. They didn't have an identity last year. They didn't punch back at all. And Kyrie was supposed to be that guy, like you said, who did that, but he never did it. And now they actually have an identity. I think their identity is just gritting games out, and that's their whole M.O., and now we got to see if they can grit out the grit out some wins during this five game away, this five game road trip. And I mean, if they can come out of this with a positive record, even if it's three and two, that's a win. Yeah, that's that's a win any way you look at it. So, fingers crossed for my Celtics. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not going to buy too much into it. I was, I always start buying into teams once we once we hit the thirty game mark. Once you hit the thirty game mark, you get an idea of who everybody is. Mm-hmm. But Obviously, then the trade, then the trade market happens. It opens up the trade deadline, so things can change. But transitioning now, Mike, your team, the Sixers, who were supposed to be at the top of the Eastern Conference, and nobody was supposed to touch them, they're not looking great. And a large part of that is because Joel Embiid has sat a couple games already. Uh, ben Simmons was hurt for a little bit, but it doesn't seem like they have a go-to scorer right now. Mm-mm. Um. It, maybe that's just because Embiid's out. It's also probably because the guys who you thought were their go-to scorers aren't scoring at all. Yeah, who, I mean, Tobias Harris was supposed to be the guy who really you can turn to for a 40 bucket. $40 million a year, it tells 40 me. $40 million yeah, a year. it tells it, me you should. I mean, I was, I was very in favor of bringing back Tobias Harris. For that price, though? You, you had to pay it. It's Did mm, you have to pay $40 million? He was probably going to get that from somebody else. You think? Yeah. I, I, I just can't. I don't know. You, 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 you would know better than I would. I'm sure I'm sure that they did their due diligence on what, what the market was for him, and I'm sure that there was at least one team out there willing to offer close to that amount of money and prime away. They wanted to bring him back as, since they knew Jimmy wasn't coming back, 
they needed a they needed a guy who they could turn to to get a bucket. He was supposed to be a lockdown shooter, a guy who can um, in isolation get his own bucket if need be. I think Josh Richardson's probably the better ISO player out of that starting five, but which isn't that promising. No, it's not. Um, but Tobias Harris has just been absolutely brutal this season. He is he's missed his last twenty three three point attempts. Oh yeah! In three games, he's zero for twenty-three, and I think it was he had like four misses to end the other game, so he's zero for twenty-seven in the last four games. Do you think this is just a cold streak, though, or do you think this is just you, who you he have is? to think he kind of um, comes back to his average three-point percentage because last year his he was shooting around thirty something. It was it was down from his pre- previous career highs, but he was still an above-average league three-point shooter. Right now, he, he's like way below the average and just absolutely killing the offense. But the rest of the offense is also kind of just sluggish. They look like the, it was offense that everybody was worried about coming into the season. And I kind of wrote it off and said they have the guys who can... They have scorers. They have guys who can attack the basket like Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson. Um, they have bigs like Embiid and Horford who can help just bring the rest of the team all together. And... It really just hasn't played out that way so far. They're still looking for their offensive identity, it seems like. Their their defense is still solid. However, when the offense isn't scoring, the defense is kind of left out there to flounder. Like when we saw last night in the Magic game, they gave up like, I think it was like a negative 16-ish in about the fourth quarter. It, it was it was really poor. Mm-hmm. And they just got completely outscored. And in the fourth quarters in general, they're just getting outscored. Like, I think they're 40 points negative in fourth quarters in the last few games, which is... Not great. Horrendous. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. And uh, just the fact of the matter, I know you guys paid a lot of money for Al, and I miss Al so much. Mm-hmm. But Al's not a guy who single-handedly can bring you back from a deficit. He's just no. not. That's, that's not his MO. He's, he's a supporting player, and that's what he was brought in to be. So um, that makes that signing look a little more iffy if that's what this team needs, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. But, I mean, just looking at the stat line last night, Tobias Harris with only eight points. I mean, uh, Horford had 14, Ben Simmons 18, and Josh Richardson the leading scorer with 19. Yeah, it's just such a tough situation to be in because when you come down to the close of the games, you look at... I, I feel bad like focusing on Tobias Harris, but his play's just been so poor lately. He's not a guy who is a defensive stopper by any means. The team mostly runs on a defensive identity, and when he is out there not scoring like he should be, he's a complete zero on the court. Yeah, he's a liability. Which you kind of see through that, that plus-minus in the fourth quarter where the team is trying to close out games or to ch- kind of um, facilitate a win by keeping our team just down but um, through their shooting and defensive play. And with him out there not scoring and not defending enough, it, it's a complete negative. You have to bring in guys like Matisse Thibel then, who has been also a horrendous scorer, and you're just lacking completely on the offensive end, and it is just killing everything about this team. It is brutal to watch. Do you think they'll turn it around, though? I think they will. I mean, it's just early in the season, and most of their losses have come in close games. I, I really, I'm really not too worried. No, I mean, I, I do feel that this is just like 
a bump in the road. Yeah, this is just a blip. Um, it's something that will be worked out over time. But I think it exposes a weakness for the team. It definitely exposes a weakness, and it definitely is probably something that the front office is kind of questioning. Do we need to go out and try and find a scorer as the season goes on? If they can't turn this around, if players like Tobias Harris can't turn this around, you have to think that they're out there looking for somebody else who can do the job that they need him to do. And here's the thing. Um, I'm sure people are going to point to this and be like, oh, well, they're playing close against all these really good teams. Like, it doesn't matter. I would argue that they play up and down to their competition, in my opinion. I mean, the Trailblazers, not a great team. Well, they beat them 129 to 128. They, they came back from their, from They came back from that, yeah. But then they play the Suns, another team, a team that's good. They lose 109 to 114, so they're playing up to their competition. Playing up to their competition again with the Jazz, 104 to 106, they lose. Then the Nuggets, another good team, 97 to 100. That was a brutal stretch. Brutal, games. brutal loss, yeah. And but they're playing up again. But now they're going to play down to their competition, and it's 114 to 106 against the Hornets. And the Hornets had them. The Hornets had them on the ropes for a long portion of that game. Yep. Then you go to the game against the Cavs. 98 to 97. The Cavs had the Cavs had them. They should have won. Those are two games they probably maybe not the Hornets. They maybe you get by with the Hornets because they pulled away late. Mm -hmm. But that Cavs game, they should have lost. They definitely should have lost. And then it caught up with them against the Magic, I think. And I know Embiid didn't play, but still, I mean, 112 to 97. It didn't seem like the. It just didn't feel like the Sixers had it at Mm -hmm. all that game. And this is a team that over the last few years, it's just been a trend that they always just play down their competition. It seems like. You don't want to question the character and the like desire of like Embiid and Ben Simmons, but they they often don't show up in these games that don't mean that much. Yeah, Embiid a lot of the time just be, kind of like disappears in the background. He, he'll still get like twelve rebounds and like seventeen points, but you kind of want more out of a dominant big man in this league against these lesser teams. But they just don't take advantage of them. They just kind of coast on through, and a lot of the time, if you're coasting and the team is close, and then you can't score to close out a game you're, you're kind of screwed you're going to lose these games yeah to these lesser teams and th- this next coming stretch that they have they have the thunder the Cavs, and the knicks these are teams they should easily, easily beat. beat they should handily beat them but i fear that they're going to just going to continue this trend of playing down to these guys maybe losing to the magic will be a bit of a wake-up call they'll try and bring some stuff back they'll try and rally around that but if they can't this is a really bad early season lull to be in and that's something that beats down a team and kind of takes away any of the excitement within the team and kind of makes even the people in the locker room question each other yeah don't get me wrong the thunder are not a great basketball team but they're not a bad one either and they're gonna press the sixers hard i mean they have a big man to match and beat if he does end up playing with adams they have two guards who are very explosive in chris paul and shea gildas alexander and that's one of the Sixers' weaknesses so far is defending guards mm-hmm. early in the season. And they have a forward who can put up buckets, and that's going to be the defensive assignment of Tobias Harris and Danilo Gallinari. It's going to be a tough game, I think. I think it's going to be a closer game than people will take for granted unless the Sixers come with their hair on fire, and that's a way. Now, Mike, before we switch the topic, I have a question for you. And I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, right? And this is a hypothetical. You give me your first thought and he was on with uh kevin o'connor and they were talking about the sixers and they were talking about a possible trade that they can make and would you would you buy into the fact the sixers have a limited amount of time with this group to win a championship i think they have three years two three years 
with the group, like right current now. construction of Embiid, yes. Simmons, Harris, Harris Horford. Horford. Yes, they got two years. Um, yeah, probably with Embiid and Simmons, the window's longer. But speaking on the current construction of the team, it's it's. But shorter, I think yeah. I think we kind of know that the two of them alone can't do it. I think I think we know that. Right now, as it is from what we've seen, especially with the injury load management, because right now Embiid is on pace to play only sixty games a season, and it's probably it might be less than that, um, depending on an injury. You never really yeah. know. But based on the load management that he's gotten so far, so I would argue that I think that they need more pieces around them, at least one more really good piece, hopefully maybe even two. Um, there was he said, "Would you trade Chris Paul for Ben Simmons?" No. No? No, I don't know. No questions asked. No. no? Why? Just because you have a buy time, and Chris Paul right now fits the philosophy of the team better. 100%. He's a better defender than Simmons is, uh, especially on ball, and he's, a, and he's an all-around player, and he can pay, play pick and roll, which I think is one of the biggest weaknesses of the team, because Ben Simmons is not a threat to pop. Okay, but you, you also just said that um, Embiid and Simmons need like another guy there. Uh, if you think that the window is strictly these next three years and that they will never win a championship with Joel Embiid on the team besides those three years, then yeah, you make that trade. Yeah. But besides that, no, you don't. This, this, Joel Embiid's 25 years old. Ben Simmons is, what, 22, 23? There's a team that still has like a, probably a decade left in them with that duo. You, you can say no. You can you can like uh, smirk at it. You can say whatever, like Embiid, oh, he's not going to stay healthy for that long. He's got like three years left in the league, which... It's just not true. That's just not I how think, that works. I, I, think, I think that it's hard to make a team around any two players. And I think, especially in today's NBA, it's hard to get players to go anywhere. So the current construction of your team right now is very good, is what I'm basically trying yeah. to say. And I think it's going to be hard to get another team at that standard together. I mean, you, you, have, you have literally four all-star caliber guys on one team. And I think that's a hard thing to do. So... I'm saying if you are all in on the next two years and Horford's one of your guys, then I think you have to make a trade. I, I would not do this trade. No. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm 100% with you. I, I agree with the long-term idea over that. But I think, it's a, I think it's an interesting question, and I think it's a question of can you find the right trade partner for Embiid? I mean, not Embiid, for Simmons. Yeah. If you were to trade one of them, because I don't think you trade Embiid. I think one of like the common misconceptions with like being all in that I hate from a lot of these basketball talking heads is that if you're all in right now, that means that you're willing to sell the farm and you're giving up the future. You want yeah. to win a championship now. You're not thinking at all yeah, down I'm the, the line. I'm, I'm the same way. I don't want to move Tatum or Brown. No, I, I, I totally, I totally get it. But what I'm saying is. And I, because you you, you kind of understand what they're coming, where they're coming from, though. Because if you are in with Horford and uh, Tobias, who Tobias is what twenty seven, twenty eight. Uh, yeah, right around. There. Yeah, so he's he's getting up in age too. I can't imagine that he's going to age crazily. I mean, he's a shooter, so it'll be fine. But I can't imagine he's going to take another huge step, right? So yeah. you got to kind of maximize where he is. You know what I mean? Currently, if this is his peak physically, so. It's, it's an interesting idea, and maybe it's not Chris Paul that's the trade partner, but maybe it's somebody. I don't know. I just think when you go all in and you sell a lot of your pieces for one big player, you play the risk of seeing what happened last year with Jimmy Butler. That's, that's a really good point. In that, yes, things ended up working out for the Sixers in the offseason with Jimmy Butler leaving and bringing in Josh Richardson and Al Horford, but that offseason could have ended completely differently. They could have had... Butler leave, Tobias Harris signed with another team, and they're left with just Embiid and Simmons and having to scrape up guys from 
the bottom of the barrel of the free agency pool to try and build a roster around this. So you you play just such a dangerous game with trying to go with quote unquote going all in. You can be all in, but you don't have to just completely dismantle your team in order to do so, in order to build this team that you think is the championship contender. There is still a big time frame to win a chip with these young guys, and I think it's it's just so dangerous and such like a short-minded book to try and yeah. trade away these big time players. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I just wanted to get the heartbeat on it because I, I think I, I think it's at least, if nothing else, an intriguing idea. I think I think it's I think I think we would all be very naive if we did not assume that Elton Brand would at least consider trading Ben Simmons for a, for a player or a point guard who might fit the team better. I think that's just the narrative that everybody wants to create around the Sixers is that you don't Ben think, Simmons is such a volatile piece and that they're not committed to Ben Simmons. And you don't he'll think, never be the scorer they want him to be. He's, he doesn't shoot threes. He's not going to ever be anything big in this league. No, but that's not the point. It's just an idea of somebody who can space the floor who would be the same value as him. So, like, you're telling me if and this guy is way more valuable than Ben Simmons. If, like, Damian Lillard somehow became available, you would not trade Ben Simmons or Damian Lillard. Because you have to be a dope if you don't think that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're talking like superstar for superstar. Yeah, no, I get yeah. no, yeah, but like even if you have two solid pieces, like even a return of Danilo Gallinari and Chris Paul, it's not it's something I would do, but it's something that you have to think about. That's a twenty point per game score and an eighteen point per game score, and I mean it's at the end of the day it's Chris Paul. I know he's older, and I get what you're saying, and I would like I said I would not do it either, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's um. <clears throat> Like I said, this just narrative that they try to make around this team, and that like this is the way the league works. You need a point guard who can score. You need a, like a shooter type player, and it's just when uh, there's a there's a quote from Mike D'Antoni for when he was coaching the Suns, and that they were like pace and space, the five seconds less offense. That was him, right? Seven seconds less. Seven seconds yeah. less. Yeah, yeah. He said that. It was really obscure, the offense that they were running in the NBA, and that everybody was saying, oh, this is so weird, this isn't really going to work long term, and that they need to kind of regress back to what the league is doing, but ultimately said that his biggest regret, and one of the reasons that they never won a championship with that team, is because he didn't just buy into their own strategy, their own game plan with the guys they had even further. They didn't let Steve Nash shoot as many threes, they didn't let, they didn't just fully go in. So when you hear these like talking heads, these NBA commentators, try and say, this is the way the league's moving, this is what you need to do, this is how, this is the formula for winning a championship. It's just so, it's it's closed-minded, it's, it's, it could be, it could be headstrong from my perspective in saying that you don't want to get rid of these guys because they're the guys, you can build something around them, you don't have to do what everybody else Well, is you're doing. biased too, because you like those guys, same way I'm biased with the Celtics. Like, I, I, I don't want to trade Jalen Brown, I don't want to trade Marcus Smart, I don't want to trade uh, Jason Tatum, because I like them and I've seen them from the beginning of their career. But when you take a step back, you realize that maybe it's not the most—it's not the worst move in the whole world. That's all I'm saying. I get what you're saying. I get the talking heads thing, but there is math behind it. There is a lot behind it. It's almost like the Moneyball thing with uh, baseball. It just is. But again, and, it, it's everybody saying this is the way you should be doing it. The way you're doing it's not going to get you anything. But in reality, we could be seeing a few years down the line. This is actually this yeah, was this no, was no, leading the way. This no, was you, paving away for something. Yeah, yeah, you're, t- you're you're totally right. You're totally right. I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate. Um, like I said, I agree with you. But talking about one big man to the other, we're talking about Joe Embiid. Now we're going to talk about somebody who maybe could be the next Joel Embiid and James Wiseman, who might he's well he's not. Now we know he's not. He can't play NCAA basketball anymore for Memphis, which is a huge bummer considering 
we watch the AAC very yeah. closely, and we're not going to get to see them now. Nope, we don't get to see our Temple Owls play against potential number one pick in this year's draft. Which yeah, is very disappointing. Very heartbreaking. I mean, he wasn't going to play here, but at least to watch him play against them, even yeah. on TV, would have been very, very cool. And we're just going to do a quick thing on this. This isn't going to take too long. I just think it's disappointing. And I think I was I was thinking deeper about this, and it's such an obscure reason for um, him not to be there. He's family friends with Penny Hardaway. He helped him move, maybe gave him some money, but I don't think he, there was no like evidence that he did. It just seemed like he really helped him move in, um, which just seems ridiculous that the NCAA is going to ban this guy for a whole year because nobody even realized they did anything wrong. Um, and my initial thought is, in two years, the 2022 draft. It's supposed to go back to high school players can enter the draft. If the NCAA keeps doing crap like this, and they keep finding ways to get players out for an entire year, which has happened now numerous times with eligibility reasons, they are not going to come and play for no. any team in the NCAA. They're going to go right to right to uh, the NBA, secure the bag, because they don't even want to deal with it. Why waste a year of nothing? Now James Wiseman is doing nothing when he could have played overseas, like LaMelo, like RJ Hampton. I mean, it was it's a waste. It's Now he just gets to practice with the team? Are you kidding me? Why, and I don't understand it either because it's the AAC. And I know it's like, oh, well, it's the rules. We have to abide by this by everybody. You have a chance to lift a conference that normally people don't pay too much attention to but recently has been doing pretty well with the emergence of Wichita State going in the conference. Temple's been playing really well. Cincinnati's been really good. And now Memphis is back in the picture for the first time since Derrick Rose was there. They get a they get a top-rated recruit for the first time since Derrick Rose. Now they have two of them in Precious Achua as well. And you are taking away their number one star and their number one attraction? Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. I, I just can't believe that they would do something like this. And I understand it's their rules, and I understand this is what happens, but it seems to me like this is a little strict. And not just that, they're taking away from not just him, but from the fans and from evaluators. So I'm just really sick of this. I really wish he would play. He's a guy who a lot of evaluators, including myself, really wanted to watch because he's got a lot of parts of his games that game that needs to be kinked out and has to be fixed. But at the same time, there's a lot to, I mean, Penny Hardaway was his AAU coach that helped him be the number one freaking recruit in the first place. So there could have been a huge step this year that we're not even going to get to see. So I just feel kind of slighted. I don't know. I'm yeah, just... it's it's just so like hypocritical from the NCAA's behalf because they they want to they want to pass this new rule for allowing players to make profits off their own name, but in the same sense, they're also completely destroying a lot of players um, like potential. Yeah, they're keeping players from being able to go out there and play basketball. Like the James Wiseman situation is ridiculous, and why he's being held out because Penny Hardaway helps him, whatever. This is just going to draw. Like you see, big time player when players coming into college see a big time player like James Wiseman in the situation that he's going through. They're going to say, "Hmm, even if the high school basketball thing um, going straight from high school to the draft isn't passed, this is going to make people just generally." second guess their decision whether they want to go to college as opposed to going to play overseas like you said like Lamella and them are there, there's other opportunities for these players to go and they can go straight to the, they can go straight to the G League now if they want to yeah so i don't understand what the NCAA is doing they're getting in their own way if they 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 really claim to be in uh, all in favor of the student athletes and they want to help these athletes 
get through the college system. They want to like just facilitate a good environment for these up-and-coming young players before they make it professionally. But they are making it so difficult for that to actually be the truth. It's just mind-blowing. They're also killing their own like revenue streams. Like you, you want to promote other teams. You want to promote other conferences within the NCAA. And like you said, this just completely diminishes the name value of the AAC with taking away a big-time player like this. It just doesn't make any sense besides the fact that you can say it's in our rules. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Penny Hardaway helped them move, gave him $11,000 roughly to help them move, his family to move from Nashville to Memphis. But, like, I, I mean, they're family friends. They're family friends before this. I realize that's a large portion of money, but I really don't think that had anything to do with the recruitment. The whole time he was there and he was going to go to Memphis, it seemed he was he, that was where he was going the whole time. He just wanted to be closer to his family. Like, I... I just don't get it. I, I really, really don't get it. And like you said, it's a way to profit. And like, and the NCAA is now allowing student athletes to profit off of their name. So you don't think they're going to make like eleven thousand dollars off their name? You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. it's and uh, it's ridiculous because a and and a player coming into the league in two thousand twenty two is going to look at this and go, okay, well I can take this eleven thousand dollar. I, I we'll call it even a bribe if we want to make it like even more on the NCAA's uh, side. Um, well, I'll take this $11,000 bribe and then I can go play college basketball for free or just for a couple dollars on my name. Or I can go straight to the NBA and make millions of dollars and not have any risk whatsoever. It makes no sense. It, may, it like I get it. I understand it um, broke the rules, but you're stealing, you're stealing something that we all wanted to see and now none of us can. And it's a shame. And really to the players, not at all to the players on fault. Not at all. Ridiculous. Yeah. But Mike, I think I got my rant out. I think I feel good. I my foot's feeling a little bit better now that I. I mean, I haven't moved it in a little bit. But let some I of that frustration. Out. Yeah, let some of that, that, that. A lot of that was flag football. I won't lie, but I just had to let it all out at once. But all right, guys, that's all for the podcast for today. Be sure to listen to us and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts. Google Play, Google Play Podcast, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at Scoop D Hoop. We'll see you next time when we have our podcast in one week from now, right, Mike? Oh yeah. Yep. Staying consistent. Yep. We are doing. We are doing good with that. We are. Yeah. I'm we're proud of us. Me too. But make sure you listen to it. We'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. See you. Catch you next time.